And we're live. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if we had a radio show? I don't think we could do it. Yeah, I, you know, even with podcasting, what, I guess five days a week, sometimes multiple episodes, more than that, you know, like this week's a six episode week because we have this episode. I, I couldn't imagine sustaining a three hour show or something every day. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think there are times where like we say things and we're like, hold on, that's not what I meant. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like having it be live would be really overwhelming to me. Yeah. I So like to do the seven to 10 minute commuter devotional takes. Well, it's gotten it used to take like literally two hours a day and then it was like an hour a day. But nowadays, I don't know what, 30 minutes. Yeah, something 30 like minutes that. or so. Hopefully the quality hasn't gone down. People are like, you need those two hours. Yeah. But but even then, it's like 30 minutes for seven to 10 minutes worth of content. I couldn't imagine a three-hour show. That'd be... I couldn't imagine having someone listen in to that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you're probably bored. So let's, you, the listener, are probably bored. You out there. So let's get this thing started. Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. This episode is, but will there be childcare? All right, well, I feel like this is one of those episodes that we have to caveat, and so uh, here's our caveat. I feel like this, uh, we have to remind ourselves of what we're doing on this podcast. It's called Imperfect Family. We never claim to be perfect at anything, but we are trying to think through things hard. And this episode is one of those things that we've tried to think through hard. And I hope it doesn't come off as preachy or uh, holier than thou or anything like that, because again, it's called Imperfect Family. And I, we mean that name. Uh, it's not a disguise to try to sound relatable or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we are relatable. Who knows? Well, we'll um, see. Yeah. Okay. So here's what our episode is about. Um, one of the things we're thinking through as parents, uh, we go back and forth on this and we've had, I would say we've had multiple stances on this specific topic in the course of being parents. Um, and it's the idea of uh, what do we do with our children when it comes to church? Okay. And uh, I, I mean that very, very broadly. So I mean that broadly, but also very specifically. So not an issue of like, do we bring our kids to church? We, we know we're doing that. But here's an example. We come to church on Sunday mornings to hear the word preached. And we want to be in a spot that um, we can feast on the word. And that's, that's a phrase we use all the time on the commuter devotional. And sometimes that's difficult when we have kids. And so what we can do is we can put them in childcare during the sermon and we can take in all that we can take in when the word is in front of us being preached to us. Okay. So there's, that's a route we can take. Okay. And so that's what I mean when we're saying like, what do we do with our children at church or in church events? Well, I just want to be careful to not talk too specifically about the church service itself, only because we've done a whole episode about that. So I don't want to just like rehash that whole thing. I think we're more specifically talking about, about events that we go to. Um, 
But I think as I was thinking through this, a lot of the events that we do go to, you and I, are church-related things. But I think as I'm thinking through this, we're talking even more broadly than that. That certainly is like a category we're going to talk about today. But like when we go to other things, do the kids join us for that? Why or why not? Mm. So um, I, what we're doing is we're going to kind of take take the passage that we have leaned on heavily for this, for how our stance is. And we're just going to describe our stance. And if you're different than us, that's fine. We haven't landed on this either, um, but this is where we are right now. And okay, caveat over. So the passage that we uh, were talking about, you guys would probably all know this one. So in, in Mark, uh, my favorite book of the Bible, Mark chapter 10, verse 13, uh, and on a little ways, he says this, and they were bringing children to him, him being Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I think the popular interpretation of this is one that we would all affirm, that Children should not be seen as a distraction in church or a burden or separate from the body or anything like that. Jesus clearly welcomes children into his ministry and what he's doing. He's touching them. He's blessing them. He's, uh, it actually says he took them in his arms. Uh, it's just an amazing picture of our Lord. If we take a, like a, a helicopter and we zoom out and look at the larger context of Mark and what's going on, um, Jesus is literally in the middle of teaching here. So uh, he had just got done talking about family and about divorce and about marriage. And right after this passage is the, um, the famous, the rich young man story of the, the man who, he says it's easier for a, a camel to enter into the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So he's, he's in the middle of teaching. He's in the middle of doing ministry. And the people in Mark uh, it's like they're, I always say this, they're like their own character. It's multiple times they're called the great crowd. The great crowd is following Jesus to be around him, to be in his ministry, to see what he's doing. And the disciples are just trying to manage this. And suddenly children start being brought before Jesus. And it says the disciples rebuked them. So basically they said, uh, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to bother our Lord or, or Jesus with these children. Like get them out of here. Children stop acting this way. And Jesus says, no, 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 let them come to me. Do not hinder them. Um, and so the way that Ellen and I have kind of thought through this is we realize that our pastor is not Jesus. And we realize that if a guest comes to church to speak, he's not Jesus or she's not Jesus. Uh, we realize that um, a small group ministry happening there are not Jesus, but they are important. There is weight to what is going on there, right? Ministry is happening. But Jesus says the more popular, the more uh, influential, the more authoritative pastor than our pastor or speaker or small group ministry is saying, no, 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 don't hinder them. Let them come. I have certainly heard this passage before. You know, it's a pretty famous one. But as you and I were talking through this, you know, the book of Mark a lot better than I do. You've taught on it before and things like that. So you've done really extensive study. And I guess I never realized as I was reading this that Jesus was teaching when this was happening. 
Like I understood that the children being brought to him and it was seen as like a nuisance type thing, but I didn't picture it being that like he was in the middle of teaching. I, I just, in the picture, it's always him just like sitting by a tree and these kids are being brought to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the mental image that I had of this. And I don't know, something about that as, as you were kind of talking through this passage beforehand with me is just like, in some ways that kind of changes how I view what's happening here. You know, it's not just that, Jesus is tired and he doesn't feel like being social right now, but like he's in the middle of doing ministry and he's inviting the children to be a part of that. Like that definitely changes the impact, I think, of him welcoming the children in. It's not just like, hey, he doesn't feel like talking right now, but like, no, he's in the middle of something really important. Yeah. And they get to be a part of it because he welcomes them. Right. And I don't think it's a leap to say that the disciples realize that. They, re- they realize that what Jesus is teaching on is important. They realize that the crowd needs to hear what Jesus is saying. So, hey, let's not distract the crowd right now. Let's get these kids out of here so that Jesus can be heard and seen without distraction. Um, But that's not how Jesus treats the situation. And so as we think about then, we are parents of small kids. We have a three, a five, and a six-year-old. And we thought about um, there's like a, there is a balance because like our kids could be a massive distraction. Um, to how, us and to other people. Right, right, right. However, um, it seems like, at least from this passage, that we should be pushing to bring the kids wherever the ministry is happening, even though they're children and even though they might be distracting. And I think the, uh, the way we've thought about this is that the responsibility is then on us as parents to make sure that it's not distracting for others or distracting for ourselves. But the responsibility of us is to do what Jesus says here. Don't hinder them. In fact, bring them in. Let them come. I don't want to speak for you. For me, it is like this mental discipline of, you know, I know the kids are coming with us to whatever event we're going to. And I almost have to like discipline myself to not let myself be distracted in the sense of like, I'm the one trying to keep them quiet so that they're not distracting other people, which is a distraction in itself to me. Does that make sense? Right. I don't yeah. want to I don't want to like split my attention between what's being taught and trying to keep the kids quiet so that they don't distract other people. And so building off of that, I think this is the way we think about this is like um it is it would definitely be way easier to to put the kids in childcare. Uh, it would be way easier to um, get a babysitter. It would be um, easier to even stand in the back or outside in a different room. That's or sometimes not, even like stay home. Like, you know, there's not childcare. Sure. No one's available to exactly. babysit. Like, you know what? We'll miss out on this small group or mm-hmm. this event. And, and yet that's not exactly what Jesus is doing here. So for us, this hasn't been an issue. This is not a legalistic issue of like, the kids must be with you 24-7 of the day, 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Get it out. Yeah, I got it. Uh, this is not a legalistic issue. All it is is it's really pressed on us to really think about, okay, um, we should probably have the kids with us or around us when ministry is happening either in front of us or we're a part of. And so we, we felt like, you know what, maybe this would be helpful for folks to like just think through it. And so... The reaction, and, I, and now that we're talking about this, I'm actually having deja vu to that old episode we did, because I think some of this is going to overlap a little bit. I think we did an episode once on, what was it? It How was to, called 
Toddlers in the Tabernacle. We tried so hard to make that that cool title. It was a good title. Yeah, that was a great title. Yeah, it was like how to have your kids in church or or whatever. Um, So these two overlap a little bit, but this is outside of just church. Like as an example, our church recently was a part of a a conference with a few other churches and there was no child care. Um, And And it was like a a 7 p.m. thing. So it it definitely was like bedtime. Ooh, this is going to be tough bringing the kids because, yeah, that's bedtime. Like, is it worth it for us to come? Yeah. And um, and I was encouraged because there was quite a few kids there. But, um, you know, it was still an event like I just I knew that there were people who didn't come because there wasn't any child care. And so just thinking about like passages like this that press us as parents. The Lord welcomes the children. And I think sometimes our first reaction is, um, I'm not going to go because of the kids. Or if I do go, I will go because there is childcare. Or, um, hey, grandma is used to watching the kids on Wednesday nights for small group. So let's keep that tradition going so that we can be a part of small group uninterrupted. And so I think the passages like this one just press. And so Ellen and I are just trying to let it press and um and so think through then the application like what does this look like then because there are practical issues here such as behavior and bedtimes and things that this this is going to affect and yeah so i think it'd be worth it to kind of let's go back and forth a little bit and talk about maybe some of those more practical parts so i'm thinking about that event that you mentioned that was late at night, which we ended up taking our kids to. And it was like a one time, like a, it was an annual thing. It's not something Mm -hmm. that we regularly go to. Um, And I'm thinking about like, if something like that were to happen, you know, several nights out of the week that it fell at bedtime and we had to make the decision of, would we go to three, four, five events out of the week, knowing that the kids are staying up late, you know, and exhausting themselves or we're exhausting them, I guess, by going to these events which are good events and things that I think are refreshing for our souls, would it be worth it to go to those things? And I think that in that case, you know, I think we would say no or kind of pick and choose from those events for our family. Um, But if it is those events that are kind of few and far between, our kids can handle staying up late one night. Mm Mm-hmm. And being tired. And you know what? The next day was a struggle. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it wasn't. They overslept for school. We were rushed. We were like throwing granola bars at them on the way out the door. Like we didn't have a good breakfast that day. It, it was difficult the next day. But I'll tell you what, that event happened six or eight weeks ago. And just yesterday, our oldest son was asking me questions about things that he heard happen <laughs> he was. that night. Yeah, that's true. And it, I wasn't trying that hard that night to engage him in what was going on. Um, it wasn't a regular Sunday service. And so, it, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to help him take sermon notes or anything like that. It was just, they were there with us. But something about him being there stirred him. And he like brought up this question and he's like, hey, you remember when we went to that church thing? This and mm-hmm. this and this. And he started asking me questions and I was like, what in the world? How did you <laughs> catch that? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I think that I don't even realize sometimes the impact that these things have on our kids because they don't mention it right away or we don't ask follow up questions, but they're impacted by Mm -hmm. it and their their little brains and hearts are stirring. But sometimes it doesn't come out until way later. I don't even know that it's that it's happening, you know? Yeah. I think one of the other 
um, practical things is behavior, which we talked a lot about that in that Toddlers in the Tabernacle episode uh, last season on the first season. <laughs> Way back when. <laughs> on the first season of Imperfect Family. Um, but for me, behavior uh, is, um, listen, kids are wired different. So there are some kids that just have a lot of energy. And so, um, you know, we, we certainly have one of our kids who is full of a lot of energy. And we talked about this in that episode. Like we have them practice sitting and listening at home, like get them in the habit so that they can sit through church. Um, but also like we, we give our kids things to do during church. Um, but we don't mean like sit and watch a tablet or play with toys or, you know, crawl up and down the aisle. Like we have like sermon activity sheets where they like listen to the sermon. And if they hear the word God, they're supposed to color the certain color box and things like that. So it's like active listening stuff. Um, but also, uh, I feel like kids learn behavior as they're a part of whatever the thing is happening. So if we're not bringing the kids to certain events, uh, how are we supposed to form that behavior in them? Uh, and so behavior to me is like, uh, I don't really, I don't know if I can go with that excuse. Like, <laughs> Definitely. And you know what? I heard this really encouraging story this week of... Um, Someone who we know, we we didn't necessarily hear it directly from them, but there was like a two-hour event at church, and his kids are pretty little, and he came to this event knowing full well, like his kids' capacity is like 45 minutes, like 30, 45 minutes, and you know what? He came for those 45 minutes, instead of missing out on the entire two-hour event, he came for those 45 minutes and just gleaned everything he could in that short amount of time, which to me was just such an encouragement of like, you know what? He valued so much coming to this event, learning about the Lord, including his children in it, to the capacity that they were available. You mm -hmm. know, I think a lot of people think of it as like an all or nothing thing. Yeah. Like, you know what? If you're not used to bringing your kids to events, and for a long time we weren't, mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to just first time sit through an hour, two hours, whatever it is. Ease them into it, you yeah. know, and I think we're the same way. You know, if I sit down to read a book and I haven't read anything in a while, I'm not going to sit down and read a 300 page novel. I'm not in the discipline of doing that. I might get through one chapter today and then tomorrow I might be able to sit and read two chapters. Like, yeah. we're the same way as yeah. children in some ways. I was super encouraged by that, too. It was actually a three hour event. It was oh, so sorry. this this past week we was our missions week at church. And so. Um, we had a prayer meeting and we had, um, a professor from uh, my seminary come and talk about missions and he preached on Sunday, but he did a three hour missions conference on Saturday. And this guy just brought his two kids. His wife was working. He brought them. He was there for 45 minutes and then he left. Um, it wasn't a wasted day. Um, and actually we did something similar at the prayer meeting. Our kids, it the prayer meeting started at like seven o'clock and our kids couldn't last. So we left. I mean, we did the best we could, but. So I think let's, let's wrap this topic up and, and kind of, um, I'll give you, for you guys who are listening, I'll give you kind of more my motivation for why I want to, to like really talk about this issue is I, I've mentioned before, I have this fear of raising children in the, in the faith for 18 years and, um, seeing so many of my friends raised in the church, um, and just chuck the faith after one semester of college or or all of college four years whatever um i mean i went to a pretty large youth group and i i love the church i grew up in 
but I think I can count on two hands the number of my friends and kids in my youth group who are still believers. And that terrifies me. And I know this is a problem in evangelicalism as a whole, is um, the children are raised in the, in the faith, they're raised in church, and once they go to college, they never come back. Um, it's like 70% don't come back to church. And that terrifies me. I mean, we have three kids. Um, you know, the idea of even one of them not coming back scary to me. Yeah, and according to, that statistic, to according to that statistic, it's actually two out of three. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think about issues of, of like this, where our hearts don't necessarily think to include the children or not to go to an event because of the children. And then I hear passages like this one in Mark, and I'm like, hey, like there's a design here that I shouldn't be ignoring. Um, and so, you know, I heard a great quote, and I've, I've, I've been saying it to you all the time, is um, I don't want to have to fear my kids going off to college or leaving the home. I want to be excited to unleash, what is it, intercontinental, inter, <laughs> I want to, inter, all these hard words you're trying to spit out. Intercontinental ballistic missiles out onto the, into the world, sons and daughters who are yeah. fearless for the Lord. Um, and I think part of that is bringing them to events and seeing, seeing a guy talk about missions for three hours. Yeah. You know what? As you're saying that, the the last part you said that we want our children to be fearless for the Lord, like shame on us if we live in fear of man that, you know, that prevents us from going to events simply because we're afraid that the guy next to us is going to be grumpy that our kids are being a little loud. Like mm. that's not living fearlessly yeah. for the Lord. It's living in fear of man and like shame on us if that's, why we're not going to events right. at church or yeah i'm with you um yeah i think i think that's in there i would love to i've been doing a lot of reading about fear of man in biblical counseling classes i'm in right now and it would be fun to do a whole episode just talking about fear of man as a parent because it's there i mean there's definitely pressure <laughs> you know okay so remember a while ago <laughs> when you had to do that episode by yourself because i was sick you can save yeah. that for next time i get sick because oh, i'm sick all the time you it's are. gonna happen it's winter's a, coming it's true I, i'm gonna lose my voice and you could just talk <laughs> about this all by yourself for like 40 minutes it's true you're about due soon to lose your voice so <laughs> um okay well le that wraps up uh this first part yeah, I know some of our episodes are a little bit more casual. I feel like this one is really serious. I don't mean it to be, um, but it's just something that Ellen and I have been really thinking through lately. Um, and yeah, we just wanted to share where we're at with it and how we're, we're thinking about this type of scripture and, and put it out there and maybe it's helpful for folks and maybe it's not. And, and either wanted, way, we'd love to interact with, with folks who have questions or definitely. whatever. And I want it to be an encouragement. I mean, like I said, there are logistical challenges to this. Like mm -hmm. the kids are tired or there are those days where like they just don't want to sit and listen. And those days are really hard and really discouraging. But like ultimately, I have been more encouraged by having our kids included in these things with us than I have been discouraged on those hard days. You know, things like our six-year-old bringing something up six or eight weeks later that he yeah. heard like, man, that's just <laughs> such an encouragement to my soul of like, it was really difficult to have him there that day. I felt a little bit overwhelmed if I'm being honest, but like he got something from that night mm -hmm. and that's so True. delayed, but really encouraged, True. encouraging. Um, okay. So that being said, let's do our new segment. What do we, do we name it? I can't remember. I don't think we named it. 
let's name it. Well, uh, last time you tried to hijack it and make it like Chuck's book review or something, but it, it's my book review. It's this is Ellen's, all about me. Ellen's bookworm moment. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. What, uh, what are you reading right now? So I had to put on hold those awesome books that I was talking about last week because I'm not finished with them yet. And I put them on hold so that I could read another book this week just for this, what do you call it, bookworm moment? Ellen's bookworm moment. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been reading this book. Um, it's by Ruth Cho Simons, and it's called Beholding and Becoming. Um, and then the subtitle is The Art of Everyday Worship. And she's just talking in this book. It's a pretty short book. Um, she's talking about how we're just so wrapped up in just distractions in in everyday life. I mean, I think I don't think I need to make a list of the things we're distracted by. It it's literally everything around us, our phones, the fast-paced life and everything and she's just talking about um is that distracting? I thought those were like crickets <laughs> that you're bored with what I'm saying. I was like that's so rude. Oh, it does sound like crickets. Yeah, that is rude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was super distracting. <laughs> so Anyway, she's talking about, you know, in in the middle of all of this, what are we doing to stop and worship God in these everyday moments? Because it's so easy to just let a busy day pass by you and not stop and see him in the pile of laundry or in dropping off the kids at school mm. or in your budget meeting with your husband or she has like different categories she goes through. So she the reason for the title is you become what you behold. Are you beholding Christ in your daily life or are you beholding the world? Mm. Um, and it's, just, it's been really interesting. Um, hold on, I have a quote. As you're uh, looking up your quote really quick that you wanted to read, um, I'm going back to this, this phrase you just dropped, finding Christ in the pile of laundry. <laughs> uh, if that's actually in the book, you know who would love a phrase like that? C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis uh, has a couple quotes th about um, about finding joy in like crazy places. Um, Did he find it in the pile of laundry? Well, his is mostly tied to stories and like the myth behind the myth type idea. But I think he would have liked your phrase "finding Christ in the pile of laundry." <laughs> I don't know. I I I might be like paraphrasing what she said, but I can't claim that idea as my own. But you know, it, this was just one chapter, but it's the one that really just stuck out to me the most. And it, it's that just like the tedious day-to-day -day mom stuff, stereotypically. I had one quote that I just wrote down. I don't want to like overwhelm you with like, I read this in the book and I read this in this, but um, I just thought this was really good. She says, what Is we... this the quote I'm supposed to respond no, to? No, I have two okay. different... Is that allowed? Can I do that? She says, what we choose to behold in the midst of tedious tasks and unrelenting responsibilities in the day-to-day -day, and what we believe about God, about the God who puts us there, determines whether we see the daily reappearance of dirty dishes and unwanted clothes as a purposeful provision or as a nuisance. And I just thought, I don't know, as a mom, that's, it was just challenging to me because I am that person who grumbles about doing the dishes again after I just did them after the last meal, but like, those dishes are a reflection of God provided three meals for our family today. Do I stop and even think about that? Or is it just like, oh, I got to do the dishes again. And I, she just talked about it in different categories of daily things that we have to do. And I've, I've really enjoyed this book. I would, I would recommend this one. Like it. 
specifically for women, I think I would recommend this. I think it's more tailored to women. You're trying to say guys don't do the laundry? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. Read the book. Find Christ in the laundry, men out there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's hear this uh, Instagram quote. Now it's Chuck's Instagram moment. Chuck's moment, <laughs> which is funny because you don't even have an Instagram and you're having your Instagram moment here. Yep. Um. So kind of on the on the mindset of this book, I came across this quote, and it says, um, "All of the objects in our home nudge us towards something. The challenge is to replace objects that could push our kids and us into isolation: video games, smartphones, etc." with objects that encourage true connection with God and others. I like the sentiment. I mean, um, I do think that, especially for our family, that's one of the big themes is we want to do stuff together rather than stuff that's isolating. But, but, then, but then, like, I think it's good to have a night together where we just sit and read together. You read your book, I read my book. That is isolating. But at the same time, it's not unfruitful as a family i i'm not a big video game person and trust me there are some good friends of mine that are good believers i think are doing a great job in their life and i can see sanctification happening who really love to play video games um so i'm not like 100 percent against them but i do think they're very isolating so um you know if i'm playing a video game i just whew, this is a true story one time in our apartment when we first got married i was playing video games and Ellen walked in the door that was right next to the TV and sat down next to me. And I didn't know she was there uh, because I'm just when I play video games, I get mad distracted and right into them. And so that's why I don't play them personally. But if you make a different choice, I'm, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, OK, You're talking to the Mario champion over here. Yeah. Fun fact about Ellen on our first second date on our second date, Ellen uh, showed me that she could beat the original Mario in seven minutes without dying. Uh, Which is like probably the most current video game I have played. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that came out in what, 1984 or something. Um, And I do really like the sentiment in that, in that um, post about like figuring out objects that um, are inclusive to the family or was it encouraged cooperation or or whatever, however it was phrased. Um, I think that's a great idea. But at the same time, I think it's good for um, individuality. So like, um, like we have a piano in the living room and the kids should do that by themselves and learn to play the piano. You know, like it's not something we do together as a family. It's kind of the same as a lot of those Instagram posts for me. Like it's not a hard and fast rule, but it is a good concept. And it, I think the whole point of it is to get you to think about exactly what they're talking about, which is brought to you by Chuck's Instagram moment today. <laughs> You need a sound effect for that one. Bring those crickets back. <laughs> <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> I think for me, the part that kind of stuck out to me was, you're right, I think there should be individual things. It's like two-step. One is taking away the things that are isolating and replacing it with something that either binds people together or binds us to God. And I think that so easily we replace a distraction with another distraction Mm. you know we stop watching netflix but we play video games or we stop playing video games and we talk on the phone all day whatever it is and we're not actually who talks on the phone all day you i don't i don't know people (laughs) who are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. There were seasons in my life, like when our kids were babies or whatever, like I just felt a little bit more isolated, like when mm-hmm. you would go to work. And so I would spend more time on the phone anyway. But like replacing those distractions, not with further distractions, but like with things that are fulfilling. Mm. I think that's the part of the quote that just kind of stuck out to me yeah. when I read it. Yeah. I don't think that quote should turn us back into like 1800 pioneers, you know, where mom's knitting. You don't want me wearing a bonnet. Dad's, time now? Yeah, dad's, uh, you know, reading poetry and <laughs> the kids playing with the dog. Uh, I think you're supposed to be out like working in the field in that scenario. You're not. Not, not in my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> not in my pioneer fantasy. I'm reading a book. <laughs> Writing poetry. Actually, that's not too much different from what I would do normally on a evening. You just need me to start doing needlepoint. That's, yeah. that's what completes Get, this for start you. Start quilting. This is getting weird. Yeah. Uh, season two, you never know what you're going to get on Imperfect <laughs> Family. All right, so let's wrap up this episode. Everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Imperfect Family. We're back on schedule, so look for a new episode coming out in two weeks. And, you know, two weeks is what? after? No, it's the week of Thanksgiving. No. Uh, it's the week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, so happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. From all of us here at Commuter Ministries to you. Uh, Keep uh, keep close to Instagram and Facebook. We do have a pretty cool announcement coming up about Commuter Ministries that is going to be hopefully a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, everyone take care and we'll catch you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. This podcast is part of Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, visit us at www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries.